Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here is this week's message. Continuing our Attributes of God um, series, this is lesson number nine. We've got about six or seven more to go, and this is on God is Gracious, 2019. Hopefully this year we're going to know God better, get to know Him more, because the more we know God, the more we serve Him, the easier it is to surrender ourselves to Him. Open with me to Psalm 116 and verse 5. 116, verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. So today we're talking about God is gracious or the grace of God. And to quote a well-known preacher... I think I heard this last week, and then I heard it just a few minutes ago. Love is like a coin. Is that right? Tell me if I don't quote you right. Love is like a coin, grace on one side, and mercy on the other. Mercy and grace cannot be separated. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, punishment, and grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, eternal life. Both are done because God is love. I had to change some of my message today because it was preached last week and I didn't want to repeat anything. (laughs) I actually had that illustration about the little girl. So we'll give another illustration today. I may use that one again as well. But God's grace is poured out to every one of us. As most of you know, if you're a visitor, you may not know this, but CIC is in a bit of a transition right now. At the end of May, Pastor Dell and his family are moving back to the U.S., and we're going through a time of transition, and people keep asking me, What's the church going to do? I said, God's grace is sufficient. We just rely upon his grace. So I want you to take this message to heart today. 
not only is Dell and his family leaving, but we've got six or seven of our teachers that are leaving that have been here for a couple of years, some of them even longer. And we have relationships that um, are going to move on, and there can be a time of grieving and when relationships are um, separated, when we have this separation and people are moving on. But that's the nature of the international church. People come and people go, but God's grace is with us every day. And we can rely upon the grace of God. Millard Erickson in his book, Christian Theology, said this, Grace is another attribute that is part of the manifold of God's love. By this we mean that God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or their worthiness, what they deserve, but simply according to their need. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness and generosity and grace. God doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve. That's his mercy. But he deals with us according to what we need. That is his grace. When I work eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day and do the job that was given to me and at the end of the month I get a paycheck, that's called a wage. When I compete against other people in some competition and I win and I'm given a prize, that's called a trophy or a prize. When I do the best at work or in some contest at school or something and I'm given an achievement, that's called an award. And all of those are natural. They come throughout our lives. But when I don't have the ability to work and I don't have the ability to compete in a sport and I'm not the best at everything I do to receive that award, but I get those things anyway, that's a picture of God's grace. See, it's by grace, not by works, lest we boast. Our salvation is a work of God's grace. And grace is one of the most misunderstood and misused concepts, I think, in theology. It's one of the most abused attributes of God. The biblical word simply means to stoop or to bend down, and it communicates the idea of reaching down in condescension to someone lower than myself. So God reaches down from heaven to touch us. But there are some who teach that because of God's grace, everyone will go to heaven. Doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter where you live, how you've lived, that at the end, everyone will be led into heaven. And here's the reasoning. How can a God of love and mercy and grace 
send someone to hell. He doesn't. God doesn't send people to hell. When a person rejects the free gift of God's grace and salvation, they send themselves. Okay, you understand that? God has made his grace available to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl on the face of this earth. And you say, well, what if they've never heard the gospel? Everyone has. Let me read for you in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. In Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies displace his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak, and night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word, and their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the world, earth and their words to all the world. Through creation, God has made his grace known to people. I used to say in my testimony that, oh, I was looking for God and couldn't find him. That was a lie. I wasn't looking for him. Because if I had been, he was right there all the time looking for me. God's grace brings us to the cross. And then there are other people that abuse the grace of God by saying, because I am under God's grace, that gives me license to do whatever I want. Because I can just sin any way that I want, and then I ask God for forgiveness, and God will forgive me. It's like the old saying, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, I know this is wrong, so I'm not going to ask God if I can do it. I'm just going to do it, and then I'll ask him to forgive me. That's very shaky, very dangerous ground to walk on. Parents, listen to me for a moment. Sometimes we as parents teach this to our children. I've heard parents say, now Johnny, if you do that again, I'm going to swat your bottom. And then a half hour later, now Johnny, I've told you ten times, if you do that again, I'm going to swat your bottom. So what does Johnny learn? Dad really doesn't mean what he says, and there are no consequences to my sin. Therefore, God probably doesn't need, mean what he says either, 
and there's no consequence for my sin. I can just do whatever I want, and God will eventually forgive me. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died sin any longer in it? Or sin live any longer in it? Do not use God's grace as a license to do what you want. It is not a license. God's grace is simply a motivation, an enablement, an empowerment to be free from the yoke of sin. If we are truly living under God's grace, we do everything we can not to sin because we understand that sin is breaking the heart of the one who through his grace sent Jesus Christ to die for me. I can remember times doing things that were wrong and getting punished for it. And what hurt me more than the razor strap my father used to use was the hurt, the look in his eyes because I had disappointed him. Because of his grace and because of his mercy, we should be thankful every day that God has freed us from a life of sin. It should humble us to come before him, the one who created us. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. God's grace allows us to walk in freedom. Now, you must understand God's grace is governed by his holiness. Just because God is gracious does not mean he winks at sin. See, grace is undeserved. God extends his grace to sinners, though they do not deserve it. God's grace is undeserved. It's not earned. We cannot earn it. It is his favor given to condemned sinners. See, God's holiness demands punishment for sin. I think I heard a good quote again last week. Every sin will be punished. Every sin will be punished. The question is, do I accept the sacrifice of Jesus that took my punishment for me or do I reject the sacrifice of Jesus and I pay the punishment myself? The choice is ours. But every sin will be punished. See, God's holiness demands punishment. 
But in God's mercy, he did not punish us. But in his grace, he sent Jesus Christ to come and take that punishment upon himself. God's grace is what put Jesus on the cross. Jesus' love for you and I is what held him there. But it was God's grace that crucified him. I don't know about you, but when I think about that price that was paid, and I think about the grace that God has extended to me, it makes me want to live with him with everything that's in me. To please him and to glorify him and to magnify his name. Romans 3, 23 and 26 says this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? What does all mean? Anybody give me the definition of all? All. <laughs> Everyone. No one excluded. Okay? So every person has sinned and falls short of God's glory. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let me give you some good news. God's grace is greater than your past. Some of you ought to be shouting about that because some of you have some checkered past. I've got things in my past I'm not proud of, and God's grace is greater than my past. How many are you glad that God has forgiven everything in the past? Now, here's a question. Is your grace toward your workmate greater than their past? Do we extend the same grace to others that we expect God to extend to us? See, grace cannot be earned. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good to deserve it. It is simply given to us as a gift by God, and we must accept it as a gift. And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. 
All other religions are basically works-based. There's a scale, and if you do enough good to tip the scale for the bad that you did, you're okay. But in Christianity, it's not that way. We can do everything good and never do anything bad. I don't know that that's possible. And still not make it to heaven if we don't accept Jesus as our Savior. See, our entrance to heaven is 100% based on God's grace, God's mercy. And we accept it by faith, by believing in Jesus. Please understand, you can't earn it, you can't buy it. You can give a million KD a week, and that's okay if you want to. We will accept it. But that will not get you a ticket to heaven. None of us have enough in our accounts to buy a ticket to heaven. Because the price of a ticket to heaven is belief in the grace and the mercy of God. It takes the blood of Jesus to get us that ticket to heaven. And this is what sets Christianity apart from God. Romans 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works is no longer work. What this scripture is saying is you can't have grace and works together. We are saved by grace and then we do work for God because we are saved. Okay? It's like in the military. A soldier gets wounded in battle and he is given a medal for bravery. The metal doesn't make him brave. If it did, every soldier, when they went to the battlefield, we would hand out medals before they went, and then they would all be brave, and we'd always win the war. No. Because of what he did, he was given the reward of bravery. Because of what Jesus did, we are given the reward of salvation. It's not based on what I did. It's based on what he did. God's grace is sufficient. Paul asked God three times to take away the thorn in the flesh. Theologians have been debating for centuries what that was. And they've never come to a conclusion, so I'm not going to give you one. But I know this, God answered his prayer. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient 
Because when you are weak, I am strong. Let me give you a couple of enemies of grace as we round this up. The first enemy of grace is pride. Why would somebody turn down a free gift? Because if I didn't earn it, then I can't take credit for it. There are people like that. Because of their pride, they think, oh, religion or Christianity is just a crutch for people that can't make it on their own. But I'm going to do it myself. And they walk away from God's grace. See, God's grace doesn't prop me up. God's grace transforms me from the inside out. Many times pride has us reject the grace of God because we want the glory and we don't want to give it to God. So the first enemy of grace is pride. The second one is entitlement. Entitlement has three steps. The first step is you receive a gift with gratefulness. And you're so grateful to God for his grace and everything he's done for you. And then after a little while, you get used to the gift as routine. We quit thanking God for his grace that he pours out on us and it's just, it's normal. And then the third step is we demand a gift as our right. We are entitled to it. And this is a blind spot in many Western Christians' lives. The minute you think you deserve grace, you lose grace's power. Grace makes people grateful, but entitlement strangles the power of grace. So some people reject the grace of God because of their pride. They want to do it themselves. Others sometimes take it for granted and they feel like they're entitled to it. And then the third enemy is self-pity. Oh, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. Therefore, I can't accept it. I'm not good enough for grace. This sentiment is often expressed by words like this. I know God can forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself. You ever heard that or thought that? Well, you're setting yourself up as greater than God. If God can forgive you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Either you have a higher moral standard than God 
or you doubt the sufficiency of God's grace. God is a greater Savior than you are a sinner. Think about that. That should make you happy. Jesus is a greater Savior than you are a sinner. His grace is sufficient. We must trust that His grace is sufficient. Therefore, we must be gracious to others because God has been gracious to us. Get back to the highway. Does your grace go out the window? Don't know, just asking. Where's your mercy when you're behind the wheel? You know, driving here in Kuwait gives us so many good sermon illustrations, it's unbelievable. I saw a new one the other day. Kath and I were going home, and I was in the fast lane, and there were the other two lanes were empty, and a guy comes flying up behind me, flashing his lights, and I didn't pull over fast enough, and he passed me on the left and then immediately exited. And I'm going, well, that's a new one. I haven't seen that one before. You know, the whole highway's empty. He could have just saved time by going straight to the exit. But how often do we do stuff like that to God? God has rules and regulations in place for us. And yet we try to do it ourselves, but we must be gracious to others. Because of God's grace, I hope every morning you get up, you are thankful that you woke up and you're breathing. It's because of God's grace. And then I hope that it humbles you to know that there's nothing you did to deserve it. There's nothing that you did to earn it. It is simply a free gift from God. And then lastly, hopefully his grace will cause you to live for him and give him your all. Put him first. I love that song, when Jesus was on the cross, I was on his mind. Think about that. Jesus did it for me and he did it for you and it's only by his grace that we are in this place today it's only by his grace that our sins have been forgiven now when you do fall and when you do blow it God is merciful to forgive you but hopefully his grace helps us to live for him day by day to get closer and closer to God because he is a gracious God. That coin of love, mercy on one side, not getting what we deserve, grace on the other, getting what we do not deserve. We deserve punishment, 
God gives us eternal life. And all we have to do is accept the gift from God. Katie, could you come up, please, ma'am? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your grace that is so sufficient. Thinking about all the hardships that Paul went through and everything that he suffered, yet you told him your grace is sufficient. Father, I think about the things that sometimes we go through. I've never been shipwrecked. I've never been beaten. I've never been left for dead. And if your grace was sufficient for Paul in those things, then, Father, your grace is sufficient in everything I go through that seems to be so hard. Father, help us to get our eyes off of our circumstances, off of the trials and the tribulations that we may be going through at the time. And Father, help us to get our eyes on you and to understand that your grace is sufficient. And your grace will see us through. And Father, when we are weak, you can be strong. I know sometimes, Father, we deal with pride or the entitlement we deserve this and God owes this to us or sometimes it's just self-pity that we don't think that we can receive your grace because we've lived such terrible lives. But Father, I thank you that in your mercy and in your grace you draw each one of us to the cross of Calvary. And there at the cross we can lay our burdens down like Pilgrim did in Pilgrim's Progress. But Father, too many times when we leave, we pick them up and we carry them off with us. Help us to leave those things at the foot of the cross of Calvary. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name.